there was an island in the middle of the Pacific. They needed someone to baptize these people. And then a pastor went over, but you know, his ship got shipwrecked and he died or whatnot. And so there was all these ships going to, to Hawaii and from Hawaii to, uh, to, the, to, the, to these islands. And so they eventually they, they, they said, hey, we need an Adventist ship of our own. And so it started with children. Children's Sabbath schools were the ones like, we're going to do this. We're going to um, pull our money together. Uh, and then adults caught on. It just became a thing. Like, and it's just very exciting. And then they eventually got to 20,000. They got the boat and they got like, I think it was two missionary families. And then rather than going to Hawaii and coming back down, they could just go straight to the island. Mm-hmm. And then after that, that, that service, I mean, they serviced the, the South Pacific and they just you know, created all these churches, planted all these churches. Um, and it was just a really great model for Sabbath school mission. The Lineage Journey podcast, unscripted conversations that aim to help you on the journey of discovering your lineage. Join us as we take a deeper look into past lineage episodes and see the lessons we can learn for today. Pastor Justin Kim serves as an assistant director of the Sabbath School and Personal Ministries and editor of the Young Adult Inverse Bible Study Guide for the General Conference World Headquarters of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. He has also been an overseas missionary, local church pastor, and the department director for communications, men's ministry, and campus ministries. Pastor Kim graduated from a Catholic high school, majored in sociology and biology at the Jewish Brandeis University, researched at Harvard Medical, studied theology and pastoral evangelism at the Seventh-day Adventist Theological Seminary, preached in more than 30 countries, and is a friend of books and an enemy of cilantro. A husband to Rachel and father to Noah and Nathaniel, he is also the host of the Inverse Telecast on Hope Channel and co-founder of GYC. My name is Adam Ramding and we are here with the Lineage Journey podcast. Today we have a guest with us, a good friend of mine, we're going to introduce in just a few moments. He comes to us from America and we're very glad that he's able to join us. His name is Justin Kim, and he works in a particular department within our church organization that specializes in what we're going to talk about today. This episode, we're looking at some an aspect of church life, of spiritual life, of religious life that has been a bedrock of our church uh, and Christianity, you could argue, for the last several hundred years. Justin Kim works as an editor of one of the Bible study guides, the Sabbath school quarterlies that we have as a church, the Inverse Study Guide. And we're very glad that he's here with us today. So, Justin, uh, welcome. Glad that you could join us. Hey. hey. <laughs> Maybe you just want to give your exact title or your your, your job or exactly um, what it is you do. Yeah, I work at the General Conference uh, World Headquarters for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And my title is Assistant Director for the Sabbath School and Personal Ministries Department and Editor for the Inverse Bible Study Guide. Okay, so the Inverse Bible Study Guide. Just maybe explain that a little bit to some of our viewers who, sorry, not our listeners, sorry, who don't know what that is. What yeah. is the Inverse Study Guide? What ages is it for? And Yeah, so I guess we'll get into it. But we have a Sabbath School Bible Study curriculum for the World Church, and there's different levels. And Inverse really hits the young adult level, division 
category section, whatever you call it, from 18 to 35, uh, where it's considered, quote unquote, young adult. Hmm. And that so title you, is interest. edit yep. a book, yep. study book that it's goes for 18 to 35-year-olds mm-hmm. around the world. That's right. Okay. That's right. Excellent. So today we're going to be talking about Sabbath school. Now, Sabbath school is a, you could say it's an Adventist term. If someone wasn't an Adventist, what, how would we define Sabbath school? Or yeah, it's uh, it's like Sunday school Sunday on, <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, some people might not be familiar with Sunday school uh, in, in, our, in, our, in today's context. And it's basically a, you have church where you have the worship service and you got all the, the singing and the worship going on. But then there's also another portion of church where you sit down and you study. You study the Bible and a little bit more didactic or a little bit more interactive in nature. And, you know, the Sunday churches have it on Sunday morning and on Sabbath. Adventists have Sabbath school. All right. So it's something we do around the world, right? Hmm. Now, I've heard it said that the one thing that unites us as a church is is Sabbath school, that we all study the same book. We study the same uh, every four, three months rather. We, we get a new one and we do this around the world. Now, h- how much would you say that that is true, that that unites us as a church? Or is that just a good catchphrase? That we- yeah, no, it's, it's definitely true. It, the, the way that our church is structured, it's awesome, is that uh, there is only one Seventh-day Adventist church. And there are local congregations and local manifestations of this world church. But we, we are in our ecclesiology and our, our church structure. We have one church. That may sound like really like, what? What's going on? Uh, that doesn't make sense. But when you look at and if you study organizations in other churches, you have your local town Baptist church or your local mm. county Methodist church. And that is an organization in itself, right? It's not really connected technically with the, with the other Methodist churches around the world. So our Adventist church, we have our church manual that unites us. We have our doctrines that unites us. And then in Bible study, we have our Sabbath school that unites us. So whether you're in, you know, uh, Lancashire, I don't know, <laughs> I'm thinking of, of, of an English town. Lancashire. Uh, Lancashire or... Or Lancaster, Pennsylvania, or Lunzhou, China, we're all studying the same. If you're a Seventh day Adventist, uh, you're studying the same Bible study guide at that particular week or time in, of the year. So you've traveled quite a bit around the world, maybe just bouncing off this. What's it like to just walk into the congregation and then you just kind of, it's kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 pretty bizarre and awesome at the same time because you know there are places I've been into the world and I don't understand the language, but you know nine thirty or ten o'clock or whenever they have Sabbath school, they open up their 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 Bible study guides and it's funny because the cover is like nearly the same mm-hmm. with whatever their script or whatever lettering that they use and I don't, I don't have any idea what they're talking about, but. You can kind of tell that if you, if if the study guys on Jeremiah, you know, they say that Jeremiah, you're like, whoa, we're studying the same thing mm. and the same passage or same whatever. So it's cool. It's a cool experience. So it kind of it does unite us for sure. For sure. Now, now, when did Sabbath school start in the Seventh Day Adventist Church? Now, we obviously were, were formed in the early nineteen, sorry, eighteen sixties. Yeah, and there was the seventh seventh day movement before that that's only when we were incorporated as a church but when did sabbath school start within the adventist movement yeah so our church started in 1863 
the mission conference was 1861. And so Sabbath school, the beginnings of it was even begin, uh, predated even our church organization in, 19, mm-hmm. in the 19, in 1850s, 1852. Uh, James White uh, put some Bible studies together for kids. And he realized, hey, we need to do something for our kids' education, for their Bible education. And he he's the one that kind of started the whole thing. Now, we've had uh, Sabbath school before that, but the formal curriculum was started in the 1850s. Uh, to, to to be honest, we the Adventists took it from the Sunday keepers, right? Sunday Sunday churches. Uh, it started Sunday school started in the seventeen I forget seventeen eighties uh, by a guy named Robert Rakes from England. Yeah, mm. some good things that come from England. What church? Do you know what denomination he was? I don't know. I don't know. But Robert Rakes was. I mean, there are all these kids. There was no formal education back then. Formal education was for the elite, mm-hmm. and he just wanted to teach them to read the Bible. And so he taught mm. them, "God is love. God is one." Just these simple words, and taught them to comb their hair, to take a bath, uh, to sing. Mm. And you know, all Protestant churches had Sunday schools in the 17 and 1800s, and the Adventists just followed that tradition because our our Adventist roots, and we were an ecumenical movement, right? Not a capital E, but a lowercase e. Mm-hmm. We had Methodists and Baptists and Presbyterians and, and Catholics all coming into the Adventist movement, and they are all used to having Sunday schools and just kind of naturally transitioned to a, a Sabbath school. Mm. Yeah. Is there anything about how? Adventists did Sabbath school that was different from Sunday school? Um, yeah, so Sabbath school naturally evolved through the decades. And so it's a pretty fascinating study. Uh, Sabbath school was like we have it today uh, in the 21st century is not what it looked like in the 1900s or the 1800s. Um, when it first started, it was primarily for children and it was very, very didactic, very Q&A. You have a question and answer, and the answer was rote. And back then, a lot of, a lot of education was just, you know, rote repetition mm-hmm. and whatnot. It eventually evolved to a Q&A where the teacher would ask a question, and then the adults or children had to find the answer from the Bible, and they could not give any other answer except a Bible verse or a Bible mm-hmm. chapter. And so there were these Bible study guides that were printed, and these were the precursors to to the study guys we have today, and they would just have questions, right? Just, just 20 questions or 30 questions. And you would go and teacher would just ask a question and people just open their Bibles and try to find an answer from the Bible hmm. and try to satisfy the teacher. And each of these Bible studies got co- compiled together and they were the precursor to our quarterlies that we know today. So it wasn't... The- was it always in a kind of a quarter system or did that kind of something that, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I know that the children's systems were, had, had a repeated curriculum like we mm-hmm. do today. Um, in our church archives, uh, we do know that there were quarters. I'm familiar with the late 1800s and onward. There were about four quarterlies every mm-hmm. year, uh, on different topics. And it was actually until the 19, 1970s, that the format got changed and the Q&A system disappeared and it was more of a you read and the questions were still there, but the, it was more a reader response, right? Mm. The reader reads, uh, finds a text and then, you know, fill in the blank or matching or whatnot. And that's still the, the format that we have today from the mm. 1970s and onward. So it's kind of evolved through the years. There's other aspects that are different, like um, in other churches, maybe mission, fellowship, 
um, some of these other like 13th Sabbath. 13th Sabbath is definitely an Adventist term. Hmm. Branch Sabbath school was an Adventist term slowly disappearing. But um, in the early 1900s, Sabbath school was just exploding. And the cool thing was that there was actually uh, in some parts of the world, more non-Adventists than Adventists attending Sabbath, attending school. Sabbath yeah. school. And so they created their own structure. It was the in, uh, International Sabbath School. I forget what it was, administration, organization or something like that. And there was all these people super active. And one church in California said, hey, there's so much activity going on. Let's go out and collect offering for missions. And that became a thing and it just spread and all these local Sabbath schools were collecting offerings. And eventually the organized church got together and they said, hey, we have a a big goal. And this is the SS Pitcairn, you know, the ship that went out Mm. into the the Pacific. Mm -hmm. And it was $20,000, which back then was, was, you know, a ginormous sum. And this became to be a thing. And then the general conference said, hey, we're going to put mission and mission offerings under the auspices of Sabbath school because this is so Mm. awesome. So it's really cool that one local church does something, it catches and it becomes it's definitely this grassroots momentum building activity. And now when we think of, you know, mission offering, we think of a top down kind of the church, whatever. But it's actually started from the ground up. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So like that in what do you say injection of mission into cyber school was really a in some ways uniquely adventist or at least we, we kind of put a format to it yeah the 13th i think we, we we systematized it and and we were a growing uh movement and you know administration on top uh you know, we're living post 70s, post where we tend to be anti authoritarian, mm. tend to have little doubt against, you know, the suits upstairs. But back then, the administrators, and, and, and still today, uh, administrators have a bird's eye view of everything and they see where mission is weakest. Mm-hmm. And they have the. Uh, the directive to to take where mission is strongest and then redirect those resources to mm-hmm. that which is weakest. That's why they're at the top. It's not a power thing or not. It's they're they're able to see that, and that's why the church has kind of, in a sense, grown evenly throughout the mm. the, the the decades because we have uh, the worldwide structure that helps to. Yeah, if we didn't have missions and the mission offering system and whatnot. Um, the richer parts of the church would be far more advanced than mm, today. True. And then the weakest parts of the world would probably, there would be no mission, mission activity going on. True. So the disparity would be much, much higher. Can we do a better job for sure? But we can definitely pinpoint, pinpoint that, that activity to um, that, that those, that fruit to that activity. Hmm. You could also maybe make a connection between the growth of, I'm just thinking of the top of my head here, like cyber school mission, Mm. Mission offerings, 13 Sabbath, with maybe the last 30 years in our church, the growth of the, I'm not sure the name is, you probably know that the, the mission department. That, that was, the Office of Adventist Mission. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was started the last 30 years or so that really yeah. exploded the growth as well, I'm sure. There's a connection between them. Yep. Um, so that kind of, maybe that I was going to ask the question, but maybe you've already answered, like, what role do you believe the Sabbath school played in the growth of Adventism? And it's. Yeah, so for for global missions, for sure. I mean, you you you've got you know the mission offering um, component, but there's also this other aspect of of evangelism and outreach. And there's this thing that was, I mentioned before called uh, branch Sabbath schools. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have 
church plant specialist back then. It was every Adventist was a church planter. It was like in your DNA. Mm-hmm. And uh, for, you know, if, if you have a church in your local village, your natural inclination was want to plant a church in the village next door. So you start off as a branch Sabbath school. And so you and a group of other people would visit that, that village and contact some people. And, hey, do you want to have a Bible study together mm-hmm. and use your, your Sabbath school uh, Bible study guide? And that was kind of your small group in that village. Mm-hmm. And it was your branch Sabbath school. Eventually, if enough activity and enough members were there that became a company and then it graduated to a church and being financially viable um that's kind of died off Uh, but you look at areas in the world where church growth is highest and there's a lot of activity there is still this branch sabbath school Mm -hmm. kind of infrastructure going on or sabbath school class may go i mean evangelism is kind of baked into their dna and then there's other parts of the world that are a little bit more, you know, refined and, and, and sophisticated and they bring in church planters. And still, the Lord is still blesses with that. But then you have specialists, right? And so then the average church member doesn't feel this burden to, to be a church planter. And I think there's something a little lost in that that we can gain back from our history. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. So we've looked at how missions is connected. We see how Advent, that the... Uh, Sabbath school missions, as you mentioned, it kind of started with a local church as opposed to being a top-down. Mm-hmm. Did you mention the name of the church? or uh, It was somewhere in California. California, and yeah, they're the ones that kind of remember. took on the, the SS pit can, right? Yep, that's and right. what was, that was a to be a, like a mission boat, was it? Yeah, so my understanding of the story was there was an island in the middle of the Pacific, and uh, they needed uh, a pastor to come over. And the real story is super long and super complicated, and there's so many nuances. It goes back to the um, bounty ship. That yeah, 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 yeah. And then, no, that's that's also another maybe another. <laughs> you can bring a, someone from the Pacific who knows that's a full story. Um, but they needed someone to baptize these people, uh-huh. and then a pastor went over, but you know his ship got shipwrecked and he died or whatnot. And so there was all these ships going to, to Hawaii and from Hawaii to. To, uh, to the to the to these islands, and so they eventually they 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 said, hey, we need an app and the ship of our own, and that was the, what the twenty thousand dollars was for, hmm. and so it started with children. Children's Sabbath schools were the ones like we're going to do this, and we're going to um, pull mm-hmm. our money together, mm-hmm. uh, and then adults caught on. It just became a thing, like, and then it's just very exciting. And then they eventually got the twenty thousand, they got the boat, and they got like I think it was two missionary families. And then rather than going to Hawaii and coming back down, they could just go straight to the island. Hmm. And then after that, that that service, I mean, they serviced the the South Pacific, and they just you know created all these churches, planted all these churches, um, and it was just a really great model for Sabbath school mission. Very very inspirational. Mm-hmm. So still today, like we the U.S. Uh, the U.S. the SS Pickern is like the the icon for Sabbath mm-hmm. school missions all around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Australia. They've got a museum of missions there. Oh yeah, in next to Sunnyside, and it's fascinating to see how much growth took place in those little islands that probably a lot of it dates back to the SS Pitcairn that went out. Yeah. And you look at the offerings that they gave for Sabbath school back then. And when you compensate for inflation and whatnot, I mean, we've been giving, I don't know about it in in England and in in Europe, but in the United States, we've been giving a dollar since like forever. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we gave according to what they gave back then, we'd we'd be giving a hundred dollars every Sabbath to, to Sabbath school missions. But for some reason, we still keep and just give a dollar and we give a dollar to our kids and they, they just a dollar into that, that, that bucket. And in terms of value, Sabbath school mission offerings is slowly declining, uh, especially in the middle of a pandemic. 
people aren't meeting, churches aren't, aren't meeting, and the biggest hit has been world missions, Sabbath school missions. People aren't, aren't going to Sabbath school. So uh, yeah, I was just trying to pull up. Um, I saw a statistic on, it's actually on Instagram this week mm. that showed. Um, not sure the original date, but the original part on the graph, which was I think right a hundred years ago, showed that the percentage of people's giving that went to mission back then was around forty percent. Mm. People gave to mission, whereas now and for the last thirty years or so, it's been hovering at the five to ten mark. Mm. You know, so we've gone. So I mean, there's still a significant amount of money that goes, but as percentage, yeah. If we were at the forty percent that we were at hundred years ago, yeah, which really got our church going and enable people to buy these huge institutions and land all over the world and so on. Um, yeah. You wonder how much more we could be doing now. Yeah. I mean, we, the, the average millennial, I mean, we spend more on, on Starbucks coffee and streaming services and apps, you know, on a, on a mm-hmm. weekly basis than we do on, on Sabbath school mission. I mean, it's, 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 it's really sad mm. where we're at. It's true. Um, so yeah, we've kind of looked at the mission. We looked at a little bit of the background of where missions came into Sabbath school. We've looked at how it started with, obviously, Sabbath school was an inheritance we got from Sunday school. Mm-hmm. And Sunday school was started by, you said, Robert Rakes, right? Mm-hmm. Robert Rakes, I believe, was a Anglican. Mm. Um, the Anglicans of in the sense he's got that Protestant background and and it's something that unites us as a church so we're just going to take a little break now we'll come back and have a, a couple more questions afterwards to look at how maybe apply it a little bit more to ourselves how Sabbath school and the individual Sabbath school and the church how we can improve our Sabbath school experience our Bible study experience and maybe look at some of the resources that are out there so thank you guys for listening we're going to take a short little break now and we'll be back in just a moment Lineage is a non-profit organization kept running by generous donors like you. Support us today on patreon.com forward slash lineage journey. History shapes identity. Identity shapes mission. And a clear mission determines the trajectory of your future. Knowing where you come from is key to understanding your present purpose and your future mission. Lineage Journey is a series of videos that will take you on a journey through time discovering the key people and events that have shaped the Christian faith. From the Waldenses to Martin Luther to Zwingli, from England to France, Switzerland to Germany, the light broke over the horizon of Europe, piercing through the dark ages and then spread out over the world. As the United States of America rose to supremacy, Christianity formed the bedrock of this great nation. And so from the Great Awakening to the Great Disappointment and beyond, Lineage follows the journey of God's church throughout time, immersing you in the places, the stories, and the people through whom Christianity has shone the brightest. Join us on a journey through time. Follow us on social media at Lineage Journey or check out our website at lineagejourney.com. Lineage Journey not only produces video content, but instructive and illuminating resources to teach young and old about Christian history. Lineage has produced an educational coloring book for people of all ages. It includes original artwork from Ashley Bloom, highlighting the various heroes of the Reformation. 
Each scene has a matching story and there are also QR codes to connect you to the website for more information and to watch the videos. There are also fun facts and memorable quotes to accompany the scenes to color in. Designed for young and old alike, get your copy now at lineagejourney.com. Hey guys, welcome back to our Lineage episode here with Justin Kim that's looking at the history of Samba School and how that applies to us today. And we've just looked at the connection between Samba School and missions. And, and sadly, we've seen that there's a, been a decrease in recent decades or years between mission offerings and and as a percentage of our income. But is there something, some counsel or some advice that says that when when a church gives more to to missions it actually doesn't hurt them but helps them there's this uh quote and i don't know where it's found but you guys can search it on internet where it's found but there's this phrase issues is called reflex influence and uh the more that we give to foreign missions the more that we uh, give to foreign lands and uh mission the mission work uh, she said that god blesses the local the local work, the domestic hmm. work, the homework, um, and you know, there in, in the way that our church is structured, um, there there are criticisms that that our our resources go to the weak. How come they don't? Why can't we mm-hmm. become like the the, the great um, uh, what's it called them the mega churches the out mega there church. and and with the with the pastor associate and the five associate pastors mm-hmm. and you know twenty youth pastors and whatnot Kids pastors and everything yeah else. Um, but she she gives that promise saying that God God blesses blesses in other ways and when we look back at the history of, of Adventist mission we have a much more robust and a stable mission structure than other other organizations mm-hmm. do. And I think that's just God blesses in, in ways that are intangible that, mm. that we that we really don't see uh, superficially. Mm. Do you think, and, and maybe it's not even a question for us to answer, but I guess it, the, quite, the thought comes in our mind. Do you think the church in the West struggles more now because we're not doing as much of that? Um, mm. Or is that like maybe too much for us to draw that parallel? There's maybe other factors at play. Uh, I mean, subjectively, I mean, I totally see that. Uh, I see that in terms of the quality of, of Western spirituality. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we have more, it could be said, more more temptations, more stuff, but because we're not as active, we have more time, we have more, more resources, more technology, but yes, yet we're not as evangelistically or spiritually active as, as other parts of the mm-hmm. world. So... There's definitely pros and cons. Hmm. True. What would you say? I mean, you've been to a lot of different churches around the U.S. and different parts of the world. What would you say is the value of a good Sabbath school to firstly to the local church Hmm. as a collective unit, but also to the individual? Hmm. Like what's why would you even have that? Because, you know, for some people, I just go to church to hear a sermon and hear, sing some songs. Why yeah. Why do I need that other aspect too? What's the value of, yeah. of Sabbath school? So the Sabbath school um, structure, the Sabbath school ministry 
uh, has been likened to the heartbeat of the church. Uh, that people used to say that in the 50s and 60s, uh, not so much anymore. And it is the primary engine by which a local church moves forward. Hmm. Uh, we usually, if we're not careful, we can depend on the pastor, depend on the, the elder, quote, the spiritual people of the church. But really, Sabbath school utilizes every single person. So first, um, it, 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 it's, it completely flattens the church structure where every person is a soul winner. Uh, every person is a teacher. Every person can can contribute. And so every Saturday morning, you go to church and you can interact uh, with somebody else, with your small group, with your class, and talk about the Bible. And not just talk about, you can teach, you can learn. And that 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 uh, breathing or that interaction needs to take place rather than just the passive experience. Worship is necessary also. Uh, but it is a passive experience. You're not actively, you're, you're listening and you're, mm. it's, 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 a, it's a corporate experience. And there's a role uh, in our spiritual development for that. But where's the interactive and the back and forth? And maybe I would even say slight, gentle uh, disagreeing mm. back and forth. You know, a little mm. bit of the, of the dissonance and then and learning together. We, we, we've lost that art. Mm. So that even in some, in, in some bad Sabbath schools, you don't have teaching. You don't have that going on. You just have a pre-sermon. You have preaching going on there too, mm. and and that's a violation of of its of of the in the innate principles of Sabbath school. Um, the cool things uh, about about Sabbath school on a larger picture is that every local Sabbath school member knows they're part of the World Church, mm. and they contribute to the World Church, and they can partake in being part of the three angels' message that goes to the whole world. Mm-hmm. They rather than just you know me ministering to to my people in Columbia, Maryland, I'm you know witnessing to people in in you know Bogota, Colombia as well, mm. and uh, not not every Christian can say that. There, there's an es- eschatological character uh, to your church participation. Hmm. <laughs> it's a very deep word, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all need this kind of last day uh, linkage. And not, I don't mean that like, oh, no, Jesus is coming soon. And there's this freaking out kind of, of component is Jesus said that the gospel goes to the ends of the world and then the end, end will come. come. So that's that's to every Christian disciple, every follower of Jesus has to have that eschatological pull, that last day connection. Uh, that doesn't make us better Christians. That doesn't make us more advanced advanced Christians, that's just basic Christianity. Hmm. And uh, we often are, the modern Christianity is to lose that and be like, hey, it's just about your experience, you now, and you, how God speaks to you in the moment, and God, God's, God's with you, and that's it. And and, he, and, and, and for sure, that, that we need that too, but we also live in this timeline and Jesus's ministry in the heavenly sanctuary. There's this fluidity. Anyway, so Sabbath school puts us as an active, practical manifestation of that theology. <laughs> no, I get it. It's, it's, it's part of our commission. It's part of our totally. mission. Totally. And I think, like you've been saying, that or to par- in, my, in my words at least, the, the Sabbath school is the opportunity for the church to collectively study. Mm. And a biblically literate church is, is a much more powerful church, yeah. much more useful church. Yeah. And our biblical literacy, we increase not just by listening, but by... Yep. And I think you mentioned as well, like this, we have the opportunity to ask questions. Yeah. And I think Sabbath school is also that time where some of those, we don't like to use the word a lot in a church, but some of our doubts mm. or some of our, and I'm not quite sure, 
what it that should verse be a, means. a safe place for those yeah. doubts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, does it really mean you know? No. And someone can say, "Well, I've thought that too, but let me." Yeah, yeah. yeah. It should be a breathing space and kind of an incub incubation for 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 beginner Adventists, the beginner Christians. You mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, we, 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 we've lost some of the, why do we have Sabbath school? And, and we don't know the history of Sabbath school and its mission, missional history to allow for that. Hmm. If someone here is listening and they, they attend Sabbath school or they have a Sabbath school in their church, hmm. maybe they don't attend because it's pretty dead. I mean, I've been to some Sabbath schools where you walk in and the teacher's talking about everything under the sun, like how to make homemade pizza or... <laughs> what they did at work that week or who knows what, you know, like, yeah. but what can someone who's listening do to improve their Sabbath school? Um, if it's not got much life to it as either an attendee or as a teacher. Yeah. Cause some people may not have the opportunity to teach because the teacher won't give up the spot, but I don't yeah, know, you know. Yeah. So that's a really good question. And that that's kind of what our department uh, seeks to, to help. Uh, we have a collection of resources. You can go to alive.avenist.org. Alive is the general conference initiative to revitalize Sabbath school all around the world. Hmm. It's nothing new. People are looking for this this secret. And if we just do this, then it'll be like the best Sabbath school hmm. ever. It does take work. It does take time. But there are some basic ingredients that make a pizza good, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are basic ingredients that make a Sabbath school. One is studying the Bible. That sounds so elementary and, so elementary and simple. But like you said, there are so many Sabbath schools, they don't open the Bible at all. Mm-hmm. They rather read the quarterly or the Bible study guide, rather read the Word mm-hmm. of God. So first ingredient is Word of God. Second one is mission. We've talked about mission a lot. Um, and finding ways to make that real and connect and, and using technology and, and whatnot. And in our globalized world today, that, that's not a difficult uh, thing to do. Third is fellowship uh, is a way to find fun ways to get that small group and small class together. That is a part to visit each other in their homes and to call each other. And, and especially in the midst of a pandemic, uh, or to our, our shut-ins or whatnot, it's always good to have, it's not the pastor that should be doing all those things. It's, it's the Sabbath school group. Mm. And then lastly, it's evangelism and, and bringing your, your friends or your neighbors. Uh, this is where VBS, Vacation Bible School, Children's Ministries, it all comes together in this ecosystem working together to allow families to come to church and their children are taken care of and then, you know, spouses can have their, their time to also explore spiritual questions. Um, but Sabbath school is, is really, really an active place uh, for, for all everyone's ministry to, to be entertained. Uh, one way to, to, to get all this going on is to uh, attend your Sabbath school council in your local church. That is the highest administrative body for Sabbath school. It's not the church board. It's the Sabbath school council. <laughs> Some churches may not have a Sabbath mm. school council, or maybe that's the problem. Um, but Sabbath school council comprises of the pastor and elders and teachers and whatnot, and they talk about what's the purpose of Sabbath school. Are we meeting what we're trying to do? How can mm-hmm. we improve? Uh, it is a venue where we, you, can, you can voice uh, the superintendent, Sabbath school superintendent, is there to help teachers be better teachers. And unfortunately, there are some bad teachers out there. They need to be trained. 
Um, maybe the classes are too big. Maybe classes are too small. Maybe the classes are, you know, and there's all these, every church has their issues. But that Sabbath school council is the, is the, the body by which uh, these problems are troubleshooted. Mm. What resources are there? Like, are they- yeah, all I can think of is alive.adventist.org. Uh, uh, there is the Sabbath school handbook. There is councils on Sabbath school work by Ellen White, and she talks a lot. And it's funny because the issues that she was going through are the same exact issues we have today hmm. about uh, teachers speechifying uh, students and teachers preparing for Sabbath school on Friday night. Uh, And we know that happens because the Adventist.org website gets a bunch of hits for Sabbath school on Friday night all around the world. And it follows the time zones when Sabbath hits. And it's pretty funny. So the the GC (laughs) knows what you do. Um, people are logging in to find yeah, no, out. for sure. For sure. But, you know, preparing for on, on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there's something to that. It does raise the quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like good cooking. You don't microwave something like a minute before you're going to eat it. Some good stuff. You get some high quality ingredients and you you let it simmer for, for yeah, hours. If you do like, even if you did 15 minutes on, on, on a mm. Sunday. You can still think about that. For sure. It's in your subconscious. Yeah. It's still percolating in there. And the good teachers know what to do. Um yeah, and then there's a lot of you know uh, the 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 our church really uh, glorifies the gift of preaching. Yeah, and 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 for sure, and preaching is te- definitely necessary. Our evangelists and our and our pastors, but there's also the gift of teaching. Not necessarily a teaching at an Adventist school or teaching children's ministry, but the gift of teaching adults. Like there are gifted teachers, and how do we? Um, how do we massage that gift? How do we, you know, fertilize that gift to be more fruitful? This is where our Sabbath school, the, the, that platform allows our teachers to shine. Hmm. And a master teacher is, is, is rare, but once you see it, I mean, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Our Lord and Savior was a master mm-hmm. teacher, you know. So good teachers. When you, when you, when you hear a good teacher that just knows how to bring people in, mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. great. It's and an the, art. It's an art it form. It is. Yeah, it is. Now, what about your you mentioned earlier that you're the editor of the mm-hmm. inverse guide. Yep. Um, maybe just as we're kind of drawing to a close, give us a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh, you can that's, find that's slightly, you said we've had the same format since seventies with the adults, mm-hmm. but this inverse has taken a different track, right? Yep. So you can go to inversebible.org and all of our stuff is online, uh, but you can also get the hard co- cover, a hard copy, I should say. And uh, the format is, is a little different. It, it goes through the seven stages of Bible study. And in our digital age, uh, everything is touch. It's it's almost anti-sensory. And there's something cerebral and neurological that happens when we write stuff out. Mm. So we encourage, you know, uh, we take Sunday, Monday, Tuesday out. We take the dates out. And it's more of a devotional guide. And we encourage students to write the Bible verse out and to circle, underline, get a journal and interact with the text, with the word of God, uh, ask questions about it, even get angry with the text. Like this doesn't make sense or this totally doesn't. Why is God this way? Or man, I've studied this for a million years. I've never seen this. And then you write these stuff, these, these observations out. And, uh, and then there's also QR codes in there where you actually have a lesson and it gives you background. It gives you a lot of questions, a lot of prompts for you to reflect on your personal life. Um, there are also other verses. So each day has a different way of approaching the same text. But I think on Wednesday, what's traditionally known as Wednesday, there's all these other texts that you can go and, and reflect. Um, there's a whole day where we look at 
uh, what Ellen White has to say or about the topic or, uh, or about that Bible verse. And then the last day, we have just a bunch of questions that you take those questions and you bring them back to your small group they can use for your campus or for your family devotion or for your Sabbath school and, uh, and just ask those questions. Mm-hmm. And it's not meant to be reader response, like, hey, what does John 7 say? Or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. what are the three things that verse 9 says? Um, it assumes that you've read the text and, and, and wants to take uh, that text's principle to the next step deeper mm-hmm. and apply it. Uh, so we've got, we, we started in, in the last quarter of 2019. Uh, it was 40 years, uh, which the old, the CQ, the Collegiate Quarterly was around. 40 years is one generation. So we figure now it's in time for a new generation. Uh-huh. And uh, it's digital and it's analog print together. It's not either or. You actually need both. And the digital is awesome because there's no no unlimited space and you can just you know scroll mm-hmm. forever. There's video and whatnot. Uh, but there's some power in paper and pen too. Mm. Uh, like the ancient scribes. What's been the feedback you've had from? Yeah, so the pandemic has been horrible uh, to around the world biologically, but the pandemic has been very good for inverse. A lot of young adults on lockdown, wanting to do some you know project, learn a new language or learn or whatever at home, and like, man, let's just get into the Bible more. Hmm. And so we are the response we have around the world is that, uh, especially in Australia, Canada, uh, uh, Europe, uh, North America. Uh, initially was like, this is awesome. This is exactly what we're needing. Um, since then, we've had different translations now in the Spanish-speaking world, Portuguese world, uh, Africa, Asia, the, the world's catching on. And there's these small young adult groups popping up on Zoom or YouTube or whatnot. They're just, you know, mimicking what, what we're doing. Hmm. We have a, uh, a video program that we do from our headquarters at the church. And uh, I know you can't see me, but I'm Asian. I got, I got Asian eyes and I represent Asia. But we also have uh, Sebastian Braxton from the Caribbean, Israel Ramos originally from the Latin America. We have Siku from Africa, Jonathan Walter from Europe. And so we all get together. And then so we're, we're talking about the Bible all from different perspectives. We're all millennial to a certain degree that we're international. We're third culture kids. And then we disagree and we agree and we talk about the Bible. And it's funny that that format is being reproduced all around in these local Mm. churches. Um, Everyone's got tech. Everyone's got a camera now. Everyone's got, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, their phones. And uh, it's just awesome to see uh, when when that local Christian Adventist is activated and they just go all out for God, especially in Sabbath school. It's it's really inspired Mm. to see. That's great. Yeah, I know. At least in our conference, the part of the world inverse really got had a huge boom in the pandemic mm. and a lot of churches picked it up and mm-hmm. have taken it on and are continuing that way and don't want to well yeah. do anything else and that that the, the support from england has been overwhelming and, and and very well appreciated and it was a huge form of encouragement for us in the beginning uh and and continues to be so well that's good um well, thank you for being with us Thank you. Thank you for sharing on the birth of Sabbath School, where we kind of came from, how mission was a a key part of Sabbath School and how it needs to stay a part of Sabbath School. It's not something we can separate and it it really does need to stay together. And that quote that you were uh, looking at earlier, at least you referenced, is from Sixth Volume of the Testimonies, page 27. Mm. Clive Coote just messaged it to me. And it says this. It says, the whole missionary work will be fur- yeah. further advanced in every way 
when a more liberal, self-denying, self-sacrificing spirit is manifested for the prosperity of foreign missions. For the prosperity of the homework depends largely under God upon, and that's the word you mentioned, the reflex influence of the evangelical work done in countries afar off. Mm. That's fascinating, really. Mm -hmm. There's a a direct connection Mm -hmm. between the homework and what's done and what we sacrificed to give further afield. So I just want to encourage our listeners as well to not see, I know it's important, our, our churches and how they're viewed by their communities. And that seems to be the catchword these days. Our church is a community church and we've got to reach out to our community, mm-hmm. which we should. We should be a church that is relevant to the community around us. And we should be a church that's meeting the needs of the community. But at the same time, not to forget the, the far off communities and those um further afield so i want to encourage our listeners to understand that that there's a connection between that and our local blessing is dependent upon being a part of the wider global family and the the worldwide church and the worldwide movement that we have and it's it's just a blessing to be a part of a a church movement that's connected that there's cohesion to Mm -hmm. and that there is system and and order to as well so Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being a part of this. Thank you, Justin, for coming and and sharing. And we pray God blesses you with the Inverse Guys. Thank you. What was that website again you meant? Inversebible.org. And the other one is alive.adventist.org. Alive.adventist.org and Mm inversebible.org. So those of you who are listening, you want to get into the Bible more, quarterly guides, Take a look at those websites and there's resources there. Thank you guys for listening. We're going to have upcoming episode of the Lineage Journey podcast in, uh, coming up. We have other aspects of church history, Adventist and Reformation that we're going to be looking at. But thank you for joining us and thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Lineage Journey is supported by your generous donations. Did you know that you can donate on a monthly basis any amount from $2 to $100 or whatever you decide through patreon.com forward slash lineage journey. Your donations go towards the cost of producing our varied content and we thank you for your support.